happy Sunday. Anybody happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. We're here to magnify the name of Jesus. Please stand to your feet. We're going to usher in the presence of the Lord in this place. Amen. You got a guest singing. Praise Jesus. It's all right. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you, none like you, our God is greater, sing, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is awesome in power. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no 
great God. That's who you are. You're such a great God. That's who you are. You're such a great God. That's who you are. You're such a great God. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. Room, 
doctor said sorry there's nothing more we can do well it wasn't through i've never seen a part of gold at the end of a rainbow but i've got a promise i can hold in the middle of a struggle and god if you said it you'll perform it be how I want you to. Here's what I'll do. I'm gonna wait on you. I'm gonna wait on you. I've tasted your goodness. I've trusted your promise. I'm gonna wait on you. I'm gonna wait on you. I've tasted your
Hallelujah. The Bible says, as though not known, as though not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the hand of the herd, fainted not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gave a power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increased strength. Even the youth shall increase in faith and be not weary, but the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eager. They shall run and not weary. They shall walk Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, let's just give the Lord a round of applause this morning. Hallelujah. We want to wait on you this morning, Lord. We adore you, Lord God. We give you glory and honor this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
there is a spirit of worship in this place this morning. And, um, you know, we came here with different agendas at times. And there are times we just need to just wait. We just need to just pause for a second, just wait on the Lord. There is blessing. There is increase. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you. You may be seated if you can. We greet you all in the mighty name of Jesus. So glad to have everyone in the house of God to praise and to magnify the Lord with us this morning. Another beautiful day to be alive and well. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. He has made us glad. Amen. And we're going to rejoice while we have a chance or while we have the time. Tomorrow is not promised to us. Now is when our salvation is nearer than we first believe. Continue to worship the Lord. I'm going to ask Brother Tom. is going to come by with a few announcements in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. Yesterday, um, a whole bunch of us gathered here and did our annual calendar planning. Uh, we put all kinds of dates and activities on, on our paper, and we have a lot going on for this coming year. There's some great things that are going to be taking place this next year. Um, so if you don't know this, I know we say it a lot, but if you don't know this, we have an app, and we also have a website, and the calendar's there. So that when you're looking for, like, what are we doing this weekend, or what is the church up to for this month, you can go right there, and you can get all that stuff. It's in fact, what we put on there yesterday is already live there. So um, just know that. Um, second thing I wanted to, to share with you is that, um, you know, w of course, we talk all about our stewardship campaign. We talk all about the building that's, uh, that's ahead of us. One of the things that we're doing is we're gathering at 5 a.m., and we're praying. We're gathering at 9 p.m., and we're praying. So if you are not able to, uh, you know, whatever your job is, whatever your um, daily rhythm is, if 5 a.m. is too early, um, then you can join us at 9 p.m. and etc. So join us. We'd love to have you with us. This is all of us going together. This isn't just a few people that are involved in this. This is everybody because pastor says it all the time. It's not our church. It's his. And we're all in this together. So with that said, if you want to join us, we need to send you a link. We need to share with you those things. And so we need uh, either your phone number or we need your uh, website, uh, your, excuse me, your, your email address so we can send you to our website. On that same note, one of the things that we're planning with our app, one of the things we're planning with all that's ahead is lots of individualized announcements. I stand up here and I say things once a month sometimes, but there's a lot of stuff that we want to communicate to you. So if you're not already receiving those things, let us know. We'll get you the right information so that we can send it to you so you can stay abreast of what's going on. Um, on the 20th, the ladies will be doing something. I, don't, I didn't write down the city. That's it. Paint in chat. Um, on Saturday the 20th, um, if you want to get involved, that's the ladies from all over the district. It should be a great time um, gathering together. And so um, guess what? If you want to know more about that, it's on the app. It's on the website. You can find it. Um, <laughs> there's a little commercial break there. One of the things that we're doing this year is a Thanksgiving service. Uh, we've pastors talked about that a whole bunch of times. 
Thanksgiving always falls on Thursday. On those days, we don't get to do our regular Bible study, so we're going to have a Thanksgiving service on Tuesday, the 23rd. Keep that in mind. And then finally, uh, please save the date. Uh, our annual Christmas banquet, banquet will be on Friday, December the 24th. Uh, it will be at 6 p.m. And put that on your calendar. Guess what else you can find on our app? What it's going to cost. And all the things that go with it is at the app. Have a great day. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Brother Tom, thank you. A whole lot going on there. It's on the app. And to download the app, for those of you that have not yet downloaded the app, you want to go to myccc.faith. Myccc.faith. And if you go and download the app, you will have it on your phone. You can do live stream on the app. And you can see everything that's going on on the app. Amen. We have some guests with us this morning. And we would like to greet them in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Jamel, where's Jamel? Jamel? Or, yeah, Jamel. Jamel. Jamel, nice to have you. Amen. And Edmund. Edmund Dantes. You know about Edmund Dantes? Okay, there's a movie that's called, um, where, what's the name? This is a good movie. That's why I want to remember it now. Oh, the, the Count of Monte Cristo. The Count of Monte Cristo. One of the stars in there, his name was Edmond Dantes. All right. Nice to meet you, Edmond. Nice to meet you, Jamel. God bless you. We're so glad that you came to be with us this morning. Amen. You know always have something to relate to something, right? Amen. Well, it's offering time. Somebody say amen. It's offering time. For those of you that um, are participate in our REACH campaign, today is what we call our first fruit offering. Um, Edmund and Jamel, you don't worry about this, not unless you feel like you want to be a part, but this is not really pertaining to you two, but um, we are doing a stewardship campaign. Where's my building? We're doing a stewardship campaign. Uh, we're in the process of purchasing this building that you're looking at. And so we have started a mission to raise $1.7 million to purchase the building. And it's not just a pipe dream because we've already signed the contract. <laughs> you know, so, you know sometimes you, you can just drive around and look at a building and say, hey, building here. You know, how about we buy that building and never do anything and just, that's a pipe dream. Right? We've signed the contract to purchase that property right there. And we're raising money that when we sit at the table, we're able to make the transaction. So today is what we call our first fruit offering. We've gone, we've come a long way. We've done commitments of what we feel like we can give over the next year or even two years. And we um, are here today where some of you already have done this, where you have brought um, your first fruit offering. So what does the first fruit offering means? It means if you have decided you're going to give $10,000, and you didn't give any yet, today is the day you're saying, here is something from um, what I'm going to give towards my 10000 Here is a partial of it. Or you might be in a position where you can give all of it. Then you give all of it, and that's fine. 
But for some of us, like me, um, you know, we pledge some money that we can't come up with right away, but we will try to come up with it over the course of the next, you know, six months or so, um, you know, no longer than a year. And so we want you to join with us and participate with us. Um, you will be blessed if you participate in this. Amen. You will be blessed. God will certainly bless you. And what you will be doing is you will be given towards something that's eternal. You hear me say it all the time. You can give to anything else in this world that you want to give to, but one day that will come to an end. Anything you can think of, one day that will come to an end. When you give to support the work of God, you're given to helping people spend eternity with Jesus Christ. So that never comes to an end. So when you invest in the things of God, that will be eternal. And so if you invest in this eternal um, opportunity and project, God will see to it that you're blessed. And by you getting involved, maybe you're not saved today. Maybe you, maybe you have relatives that are not saved. By you investing, God will show favor towards you and your relatives and help others get saved. Because that's what you're given towards, an opportunity for other people to be saved, to come to know Jesus and to live for God. That's what you're given towards. And so when you do that, that opens up the door for you now uh, to be saved and for others to be saved. So today is what we call our first fruit offering. I have mine. Some of you already gave the 9 a.m. service they gave. And so get one of these envelopes. Anytime you're going to give towards the REACH um, campaign, always give it in these envelopes, not the normal tithes and offering envelope. Give it in the special offering, the, the special envelope for REACH. And so we want you to give this morning toward that. I mentioned this morning at the 9 a.m. service that you don't want to give, um, you don't want to hold back on what you normally give, your tithes and offering. The Bible commands us to give tithes and offering, um, and that's a commandment. And so anything else you do above that is something you choose to do above that. But tithes and offering is commanded by God. So you want to continue to obey the word of God in that area of giving tithes and offering and in the REACH program. If you made a commitment to do it, Please do so. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. If you say yay, do what you say. That's just the way it is. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. Amen. I don't like, I don't, I don't feel, you know, you know, really encouraged to talk about money um, because I know the stigma about the church, you know, always talking about money. And I don't think churches talk about money all the time, but people say that. Um, but I don't want you to go off to the left and thinking that's what this is about. We've shown you what we're about. We're doing the work of God. Amen. We're not trying to do anything other than doing the work of God. And if you ever want to, we're transparent. We're wide open. And so whatever you want to know, please, I'm here today. If, if, if you have a question about anything I just said, come and see me and say, hey, I didn't understand this. And why this and why that? Ask any question you want because we're transparent. We have nothing to hide, you know. And so we just go forth and do the work of God. Amen. You ready to give? Uh, you didn't sound like you were ready. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. Sister Josephine gave me a, um, a testimony this morning I want to share with you. Um, she was saving up for a little car, you know, and so you know, she had a little stash like all wives do. Wives always have stash. It's okay, wives. We're okay with it. We're, we know you have the stash. We're not coming to look for it. We're not asking you for anything. Keep your stash. And so she had her stash um, that she was saving up to buy a car. And um, the Lord moved on her heart the other day to give her stash to offering and to the offering. Give her stash to the offering. And yesterday she was looking at a car at a dealership. 
she called her husband to say, hey, I'm looking at a car at the dealership. And he said, stay right there, don't move. And he like a, a man just come and says, you want it? She said, yep. He bought the car for her. That's what I'm talking about. God is good. Yes, sir. And so I'm, I'm just so happy about that. But, you know, when you live for God long enough, live for God. Live for God, and you will see that the things that we're saying are not crazy, far-fetched things. They really do happen. But you need to get your own testimony of these things really do happening. Because a lot of times people hear these things and say, man, that, that can't be true. Well, you have to now commit your ways to living for the Lord, and you will begin to now say, ooh, I'm getting my own experiences now. I can talk about what God is doing in my life. And so don't think that what we're telling you is just some crazy thought. It's really what God is doing. Uh, finally, I've got to mention this to you. If you know anyone, um, as I like to mention, there are people that like to do good. There's just people that like to do good. There's people that will you know, give their time. They'll volunteer their time. They'll, they'll donate money to different efforts, you know, because they think it's really important. Well, if you know anybody that's like that, um, I have a packet here that if they want to give toward our REACH campaign, you can take one of these from us and give it to them and say, listen, I know you like to do good. I know you like to get involved in things that are meaningful, and this can't be any more meaningful than, than what we're doing here. So we want you to have it so maybe they will participate, even though they're not a member of our church. They will participate. But give them one of these if you know anyone. It can't just be, you know, a, you know, a random person. It needs to be someone you have a relationship with. So even if you think of the person and you don't have a real good relationship with them, start making, building a relationship with them before you go and tell them this because, you know, people like to team up with people that they have some sort of relationship with, not some stranger, okay? But if you feel like you want to give to a stranger because you think that, you know, then we're here too. I'm not going to stop God's will in no way. So here we are. You can come and get one of these from us at the end of service. Amen. All right. Let's pray for the offering. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, for all your provision. Lord, we take for granted the health and strength that you've always given to us, Lord. And Lord, we know that our health is our first wealth. And oftentimes we overlook our health, almighty God, not realizing that if you don't give us health, we can do nothing else. And we take you for granted. But Lord, we recognize and we look to you this morning and declare that we know that the reason why we can do anything is because of you. And so we thank you this morning for all you have done and continue to do in our life. We're thankful for the privilege and opportunity to participate in giving to the benefit of the kingdom of God. Lord, we are looking forward to all the great things you are doing in the kingdom and to the lives that will be changed because of our giving. I pray that you will bless all the givers, multiply their giving and give back to them however you see fit, Lord God. And I pray today that there will be a spirit of giving that will flow into this church like never before and that we will be a blessing to others, Lord God, that others in need can receive from us because we have been blessed by you. We thank and praise you for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Come and bring your tithes and offering and your reach offering into the storehouse.
name. Isn't his name worthy? There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's only the name of Jesus, and his name is so worthy. Worthy is your name, Lord. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Scarlett and Brother Josiah. What an awesome, awesome ministry they have. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, let's get right into the word of the Lord. Turn with me, if you would stand to your feet, and turn with me to John chapter 20. Oh, that would be nice. Yes, please. Amen. I'll get there. I better get there. Got to preach my father-in-law funeral Saturday. I better get there. Oh, Lord. I better get there. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to see all of you. Amen. I'm not coming over there. I'm not going to come over there. Yes, sir. Miss Joy, good morning. Miss <laughs> Joy, you were supposed to say good morning to me. I said good morning. You want to stand up here with me this morning, Miss Joy, and just hang out with us? I'm going to pray for Miss Joy this morning. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Whatever your will is for this woman of God, let it be so. I come against every work and every instrument of the adversary. I take authority over them right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And by the authority of your word and the power of your name, I pray your favor and your protection and your guide in her life. I pray safety. I pray provision. And I pray your will to be done in her life, Lord. Allow her to know the way that you're taking her, that she will follow and commit her ways to you. Bless her and keep her. Hallelujah. There's an open door, Miss Joy, that's coming. God is getting ready to open a door for you. There's a door that he's getting ready to open for you. When it opens, walk through it and remember that it was the Lord who opened that door for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Since we have started our stewardship campaign, there's a lot that's been going on. And as I said, anytime you're doing the work of God, there's a lot of churches that they desire to do the work of God. And maybe sometimes... Going about it may not be the way they're going about it, but they want to do it. But when you find a church like this one that's really doing the work of God, the devil start messing around with you. That's sometimes why sometimes people, you know, are hesitant in coming to an apostolic church. Because you know that the devil is going to give you a hard time. And some people just don't want a hard time from the devil. But I will tell it to you this way. If the devil not giving you a hard time, you've got to question whether or not you have a relationship with Christ. Because when you have a relationship with Christ, he hates you. Because you have something that he doesn't have and he cannot have. So the deal is when, when he comes at you, is, is, 
excuse me, when he comes at you, it's because you are a threat and you have something he doesn't have. So if life is peachy and good and you have no opposition in what you're doing, stop for a moment and say, God, why? Everything is just so smooth and I have nothing going on with me. Ask yourself that and then begin to pray about it because God knows that God allows the devil to give you opposition because God has given you authority over him. So God allow him to give you, because guess what? Resistance supposed to strengthen you. When you go to the gym and you work out, there's resistance. And that's what builds muscles. So the devil is still being used by God to build your muscles. You just have to know that, that that's what he's doing. So when you get resistance, don't run, stand and deal with it. First of all, God is on your side. But secondly, God has given you authority to deal with what's, what you're coming up against. So just deal with it and let the resistance build your muscles because that's what it's all about. The devil wants you to think that once he's stirred up and things go wrong, you need to run for cover. Don't run for cover. You, you shouldn't fear him. He is just an imp being used by God, and you have authority over him. The Bible says that God has given us power over the power of the enemy. Don't worry about him, but don't be frightened when you have some obstacles. It means you're doing something for Jesus. It means you're in a place that's a threat to the devil. And that's why you have opposition. John chapter 20, verse 24. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. How many is in here this morning that's thinking that or saying that? Unless you do something for me to see God, I just can't believe. How many of us are putting God on the spot saying, unless you do that, God, I just can't believe. Well, hold on tight. Nothing wrong with you. You'll be all right. Verse 26 says, And after eight days again his disciples were with him, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. I've got good news for you this morning. If you're saying, except God show me, he will show you. If you want to put him on the spot and say, God, except you show me, won't you go ahead and put him on the spot? Serve him notice today. God, except you show me, I'm not going to believe. He'll show you. Just, just, just hang in there a little bit. Just hang in there a little bit. But I will also tell you this. When you have your private conversations, God is listening. That's where crooked Siri and Alexa and all them, you know, crooked Siri and crooked Alexa, they eavesdrop on you. They're trying to be like Jesus. They're trying to be like Jesus. Siri, trying to be like Jesus. Alexa, trying to be like Jesus, eavesdropping on you. Oh, 
There's, there's only one Jesus. There's only one all-knowing God. There's only one all-present God. There's only one all-powerful God, and his name is Jesus. Yeah, Siri trying to eavesdrop. Alexa eavesdropping. But Jesus is the one that knows your thoughts are far off. That's what the Bible says. Even before you get your thoughts to express them in words, he knows. That's a whole lot of knowing. Uh huh. Verse 28 says, And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. After he did what, when Jesus showed up and said, Go ahead, you said it. Let me be Jesus for a second. Not the real Jesus, but the, you know, me being Jesus. Thomas, you think I didn't hear what you were saying to, to your friends? You, 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 you over there talking about, except you touch this, except. Well, you don't think I'm real, Thomas? Thomas, you see that? Thomas, chump. All the stuff I showed you. I rose from the grave. I did miracles. I did all this stuff, Thomas. And here you go questioning me. Thomas, I don't know what's your problem. But because I'm gracious, Thomas, I'm still going to show up and give you a chance to know what you're trying to figure out. Jesus did not have to come and show Thomas that he's real and that he rose from the grave. He didn't have to do it, but he did. That's what we, you will see throughout Bible, that's what's called grace. God has always given us opportunities that we don't deserve. That's called grace. And so all of us today are here because of grace. And even while we're living for God, we keep going because of grace. Because God is still giving us opportunities that we do not deserve. Got to know that. But one day grace will run out. Whether you die and leave this place or Jesus comes back for his church, one day grace will run out. Grace is not forever. Just want you to know that. Grace is not forever. And so, verse 29 says, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So if you haven't seen and don't believe, he will make you see. We'll see if you believe still. But he said, blessed are they that have not seen and believe. All of us here today have not seen Jesus. And hopefully we believe. Jesus, thank you for your word today. Thank you for allowing us to be together one more time. Father, I pray that you will bless your people. They are your people. And, oh, God, I want you to bless them abundantly even now that they will realize how much you love them, that they will realize that you've always been there for them and you will continue to be there for them, that all their needs will be exceeded because you are the one that supply all of our need. I pray that today we will leave this place, Lord Jesus, with something to hold on to that came from you, that we will leave with a different mindset than what we may have come in with. I pray the anointing of the Lord will rest upon me and flow in my life and that you'll touch the hearers to hear what the Spirit is saying unto them. We pray and ask you these things in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. You may be seated.
in today's society, it is all about seeing is believing. We can't get away from that. Social media tells us, since you see it, believe it. Commercials tells us, see it, believe it. Whatever we see on social media, we believe. And I believe social media is used more for, more for opinions and deception rather than for facts and truth. Uh-huh. You get on social media, a lot of opinions. You get on social media, a lot of deception. Very few facts. Very few truth. The only time we have truth on social media is when we post the word of God. Jesus is the truth. So when you post the word of God, truth. Once we see it, we believe it. And we have to get out of that mindset that I got to see it to believe it. You know why we have to get out of that mindset? Jesus says, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So if Jesus is saying we are blessed when we have not seen and believed, then we better start getting to that place where we don't have to say, I need to see it. Because needing to see it don't guarantee that you will believe it. We are so often in opposition of what Jesus teaches us. This is why I believe it's so hard sometimes to settle ourselves down and live for Christ, obey his word, is because we've been trained for so long to do things a certain way, and when we read the word of God, we realize, oh, all that I've been accustomed to, all that I'm comfortable doing, you're telling me it's a different way? The Bible's teaching a different way? And so because of that, we decide I'd rather live comfortably than live uncomfortable and be saved. The trick is what we don't realize, what makes us uncomfortable now, if we do it enough, we will become comfortable with it. So that's the deception from the devil that when you approach the word of God and you see the word of God and it tells you opposite of what you feel, think, and believe, you don't want to do it because you believe it's going to make you uncomfortable. You, you, you look at it and say, I, I can't do that. And you don't realize that if you start doing it and, and continue to do it, you become comfortable doing that and no longer comfortable with what you used to do. You should be a living testimony like I am. Oh, no. I used to be comfortable drinking alcohol. I get uncomfortable when I get around alcohol now. I'm just telling you. I used to be comfortable cussing like a sailor. I get uncomfortable when I hear cussing. So if you trust Jesus and you follow after him and do what he tells you, yes, initially, you may be uncomfortable. But if you keep going, sooner or later, you will become comfortable. I used to be comfortable telling a lie. Now if I attempt to tell one, 
I'm twisting. I can't even do it. Like, ah. So don't let the devil fool you in thinking that, man, the stuff that God is telling you is so much, is so hard that how is how are you going to ever do it? Just keep on doing it because sooner or later, it will become the norm for you. It will become comfortable for you. It is not necessary to see Jesus Christ in order to believe in Jesus Christ. We're testimonies of that right now. I believe in him and I haven't seen him. Have you seen him? And you believe in him. Let me help you a little bit. Yes, it was a blessing for the early Christians to see our Lord and know that he was alive. But that is not what saved them. When they walked with Jesus, when they saw Jesus, that's not what saved them. It wasn't because they saw Jesus while they were saved. They were saved not by seeing, but by intimate knowledge of who he is. And yes, believing and obeying. So they didn't get saved because they saw him. Just like you and I are not saved because we saw him. It's what we know about him. It's, it's what we obey when he says, when he says what he says, when we obey it. When we trust and believe in him, that's what saves us. When we do what he tells us, that's what saves us. Not what we see. Sinners are not saved by believing in miracles. You know what's interesting? God can do a miracle for somebody that they're not saved or anything. God can do a miracle for them, and that doesn't mean they're going to believe that he is the Christ. All they focus on is, thank you, Jesus, you did the miracle. So he does miracles all the time. He does great things all the time, and all we focus on is what he has done and not on him. Jesus wants us to focus on him, not at the things that he does. I remember he told the disciples one time, don't rejoice because you are able to cast out demons. He said, rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, meaning rejoice because you have a relationship with me and you're going to heaven. Don't rejoice because you can do miracles. Don't rejoice because the power of God manifests through you. You got to rejoice because of your relationship with him and because you're going to heaven if you have a relationship with him. And so it's not about what you see that saved you. It's about what you respond to and obey and believe. Many of the Jews in Jerusalem believed on Jesus because of his miracles. Great crowds follow him because of his miracles. But in the end, most of them left him for good. So we know seeing does not guarantee believing. The very people that crucify him saw him, saw him do miracles, but that didn't mean they believed him because they crucified him anyway. They saw him and they didn't believe he was the Christ because if they believed he was the Christ, he was the Messiah, they wouldn't have crucified him. So seeing, though guaranteed, believing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even the religious leaders who plotted his death they believed in his miracles. They believed on the things that he did, but that didn't save them. Seeing does not necessarily 
cause you to believe. So for so many of us, we've been thinking that seeing will make it easier for me to believe. Deception. Don't think seeing make it easier for you to believe because you will see things and still not believe. The subject of John's gospel is Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. The, 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 the subject of John's gospel reveal that Jesus Christ is God manifest in flesh. Don't ever forget that. Where was I? I don't know where. Somewhere in somebody posts. Oh, again, Facebook. Somebody posts, if Jesus is God, why did he pray? I'm, I'm fine with somebody asking that question. But here's the answer. Two things I always tell you about when people are trying to understand that Jesus Christ is God Almighty manifest in the flesh. Two things I will always tell you. First of all, if Jesus is God in the flesh, why did he pray? Because as man, we pray. Jesus didn't do anything illegal. So he was not, he could not come to this earth and be a human and not do what humans are required to do. He couldn't be a human in this world, and they didn't have traffic lights back then, but I'm just saying. And he wouldn't stop at the red light because he'd be like, I'm God. I don't have to stop at no red light. That's not what he did. When he came as humans, he obeyed the laws that was set forward for humans. So why he prayed? Because humans are supposed to pray. If he didn't pray, he couldn't be a good example. How is he telling us to pray, and he ain't prayed when he came? That's what happened when you know Jesus. You know, I can tell you that kind of stuff. And so, but the other thing that I like to tell people is, why do we insist on thinking that we're going to be able to explain everything about Jesus? Why do we think that? If he's almighty God, you think we will really understand everything about him? The Bible already told us that not until we get transformed and become like him, which is when the rapture takes place, that we will see him as he is. So we see through a glass darkly right now. So we can't see everything clearly. It's not until we are transformed into that light body like he has. It's not until we become transformed and be able to go to heaven that we will know and understand things about him that we don't understand today. So to think we know everything about Jesus or will ever know everything about Jesus while we're here on earth, you're crazy because we can't. This flesh get in the way a lot. You don't understand how our flesh. This morning I woke up and I, I'm thinking about a song. That I'm like, this ain't no Christian song. Why is it in my mind? This flesh. Oh, y'all see, I, I'm real. I just gave y'all real stuff and y'all didn't know what to do. I want you to know, listen, I've been in church where the pastor was so, he was so holy and righteous. That if you stayed here long enough, you wouldn't have stayed because you'd have been like, if that's what I'm inspired, if that's what I'm aspiring to be, I don't think I'll ever be that. I might as well pack up and go home. So you don't have that kind of pastor. You have a pastor just like you in the flesh. And so I struggle like you. I have challenges just like you. I'm not telling you I'm doing anything wrong. I'm just telling you I recognize that. There's struggles, there's challenges, the flesh getting away. You have been exposed to things in this world, so you can't act like the things that you've been exposed to in this world is not real because you have experienced them. 
But the good news is I'm still focused on Jesus. I'm still living for Jesus. I'm still living holy. I'm still living righteous. I'm still serving the Lord in spite of what's happening. And you can do the same too. But we don't have to. Listen, you can be praying and the devil put a thought in your mind. And you're like, how am I praying to the almighty God, the holy one, and here comes this thought from left field? Because you're in this world. Don't, don't lose your mind. Don't walk away from God because you're like, how is that possible? It's just the way it is. The good news is we won't always be in the flesh that we're in. The good news is we won't always be in this world. We will one day meet Jesus in the air and never, ever have to worry about this anymore. But as long as we're still here, whew, there's going to be some stuff we got to put up with. And you might not see anything to make you believe. You might just have to believe without seeing. Uh-huh. Either Jesus was a madman, or he was deluded, or he was all that he claimed to be. While some of his enemies did call him deranged and deluded, the majority of people who watched him and listened to him concluded that he was unique. Listen to me. Jesus Christ doesn't have two natures. Jesus Christ have a unique nature. He has a unique nature. He's one. He's God, and his nature is unique. Unlike anyone else they had ever known, Jesus was unique. How could a madman or a deluded man accomplish what Jesus accomplished? What people trusted, when people trusted in him and they obeyed him, their lives were transformed. Church, if you trust in God and you obey him, your life will change. Again, I'm an example, and so many people our example here this morning, that when you trust in him and you obey him, your life will be changed. Your life will be transformed. A lot of times I feel like we just want to, we think that just by, you know, God was going to do some kind of genie work and we were just going to be transformed. He just, he, you know, all, for all the TV shows we watch, we want to believe that he was going to wave a wand or snap his finger and all of a sudden we change. And because that didn't happen, we have problems with him. We're like, man, God, I thought I would have been changed like that. I thought you were just going to wave the wand and I was going to be changed. I thought you were going to wave the wand and my situation was going to change. I thought you were going to just snap your finger and everything is all right. And because it didn't go like that, you know, you, you got an issue with God. That's not how change takes place with God. God, as he transformed us, the transformation process he allows us to see what's going on. He allows us to understand what's taking place. Because guess what? It's your testimony. When you are transformed and transformed little by little, now you can stand like I am standing here and just testify about what you used to be, but you're not anymore. So when you understand the transformation of the process, you're able to testify as to how it happened. Remember I told you how to share your testimony? Before, how, and now, when you really get saved, you when you want to let people know what God has done for you, you tell them how you used to be before. Then you tell them how he changed you. And then you tell them, now that you've been changed, how your life is. That's how you explain to somebody who you are as a Christian. Because you got to tell them before. 
Oh, man, you don't know this. I tell you all, all the time what I was before. Why? I want to encourage you when I tell you what I used to be so you can realize that if you used to be like that, too, you have hope. Because if that preacher up there used to be like that and he can be different today, then I got hope. That's why I share that with you. Not to tell you anything to make anything bad or to try to make you think anything I'm better than anyone or to anything. I'm telling you to encourage you so you know no matter where you are, you've got a chance. Jesus wasn't hard on Thomas for doubting that he had rose from the, day, from the grave. He, he didn't. He wasn't hard on Thomas. Despite Thomas's skepticism, Thomas was still loyal to the believers and to Jesus himself. So here's what I want to tell you this morning. You can question some things about God. It's okay. You don't have to not you don't have to worry about questioning the things about God. You can question things about God. Thomas did. Thomas questioned things about God. He was a disciple, and he questioned things about God. He was with the, dis the disciples. He had a relationship with Christ. It's nothing wrong with questioning things about God. You can question it. Because if any of you have taught in any, on any level, you will realize when questions are being asked is when I feel like my students are learning the best. Did you, did you know that? I, I, I do teaching on my job. I haven't done it in a long time. But that's one of the things that I did over the years. I did teaching. I did training. And one of the things I like, I, what I didn't like, here's what I didn't like. When I'm teaching and when I'm done, everybody says, yeah, we're good. That always make me nervous. Because I know there's got to be something that you have a question about, that I, you need some clarification about. And so it's the same thing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen. It's okay to question some things because he will respond to your question if your question is not motivated by something wrong. See, that's the thing that the Lord knows that's in your heart. The Lord knows in your heart if what you're asking, what you're saying, if it's authentic or if it's motivated by something that's wrong. If you're not asking a question that's motivated by some wrong thought or you're up to something that's just not right, God will answer your question. And so you got to realize that. So Thomas asked the question, well, where is he? Unless I see him myself and put my hand in his, in, in his hands and my, my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. Some people need to doubt before they can believe. Some people need to doubt before they can believe because then when it finally happens, it's going to be that much sweeter because you realize you had doubted so badly that you was like, that could never happen. And so when it happened, it's that much sweeter. If doubt leads to question and questions lead to answers and the answers are accepted, then doubt has done a good work in you. So if you start out with doubting and your doubt leads you to ask questions, that's pretty good, right? And the questions you're asking, you finally get the answers. 
and when you get the answer, you receive it. Because that's the next problem. Sometimes we get the answer. Well, I still don't understand. You know, just like I told you, the reason why Jesus prayed, because he was a man. And people have to pray, you know. Well, I still don't understand that. That's because you didn't get the answer you want. So my communication skill, I would say, tell me what answer you want now. I'm just, you know, tell me what you want to hear because I just gave you the answer, but you don't want that answer, so tell me what answer you want. And when he tells it, then you didn't even have to ask me any question. Because we always want to hear, Cheryl, Cheryl's nodding like she had this experience recently. They, we always want to hear what we want to hear as the answer. And when you get the answer, you're saying, well, well, because why? You didn't get the answer you want? The answer don't always be the answer you want. So when you get the answer, whether it's what you wanted or not, if that's the answer, receive it, accept it, and go with it. Don't be mad at the answer because it didn't go with what you wanted it to go with. So doubt can lead to questions, and questions can lead to answers, and the answers. If you accept them, then doubt has done a good work in you. But when doubt becomes stubbornness, and stubbornness becomes a lifestyle. That's when doubt will harm your belief. When you allow doubt to become stubbornness, I just can't. I just don't understand. I, when you start challenging yourself about what you don't understand, because again, when you say you don't understand, you know what it means? You understand everything. I don't understand. Okay, so that means that you're going to understand everything when you say you don't understand. Because there's things that I'm going to tell you or people are going to tell you or you're going to hear that you don't understand it, but that's the answer. This is why Jesus don't answer all of our questions anyway. Because he knows if I tell you the answer, you're going to still say that same old thing. I don't understand it, Lord. So that's why he saved his breath and not tell us a lot of answers to a lot of things because we're going to still say, I don't understand it. When you doubt don't stop there. Let your doubt deepen your curiosity to know more so you can continue to search the answer until you get that answer. But when you get the answer, accept it. Uh-huh. Because thou hast seen me, you now believe. When you see things, does that mean that you are now a believer? I don't think so. Seeing don't guarantee believing. Because you see something, it doesn't mean you believe it. Because you see something, it doesn't mean you believe it. Listen, I told him this morning, I don't go to magic shows. Because if I go to a magic show, I'm not believing anything. I don't care what he shows me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, what, what did you do? Where's the hole? Where's, you know, where did that other thing come from? I mean, it's a magic show. So I'm not believing anything. Not to mention, I'm not leaving the show to explain to you what I saw because I'm just going to look like an idiot talking about, oh, he let the bird fly out of the hat. No. So I'm not going to the magic show because I know it's not real. So you can go and see it. Does that mean you're going to believe it? When we believe, we trust in. When we believe, we are firmly persuaded in. 
When we believe, we hope with expectation. It's one thing to hope. It's a whole different ball game to hope with expectation. When we believe, actions will begin to flow from our life because we say we believe. There's so many people that are saying they believe, but you look at their action, you say, mm, you don't really believe. Or I helped them out this morning. I said, some of our actions say that we believe real little. But, but at least you still believe, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. So some of us believe a little. So our actions are a little. And so as we start believing much, our action will become much. But you can't say you believe and there's no action. And let me just congratulate you that you must believe because you're here this morning. There's some action. All right. When you believe without seeing, you look forward to seeing what you believe. When you believe without seeing, you look forward to seeing what you believe. Jesus is so amazing in how he does things. And guess what? There's a reason why he said, blessed are you who don't see and still believe. When you read that, it's like, well, Lord, what about the people that see and believe? Aren't they blessed too? I would think that they're blessed too, the people that see and believe. But for some reason, he distinguished it a little bit, Juan, by saying, blessed are they who don't see but yet believe. And I think, this is my revelation I believe God has given me. I think why he says that is when you see, it's possible that you don't have expectations anymore. When you see, there is nothing else to look forward to. When you see, it's just what it is to you. And guess what? Oftentimes now, you can find yourself just overlooking it because you see it. Your perception now begins to form and frame what your thoughts are about what you see. But when you don't see, but yet believe, you have to continue with great expectation. You have to continue in anticipation of what God is going to do because you have never seen what he's going to do. And so I believe that's the key. That's where it is, where he says, blessed are they who have not seen yet believe. I believe that's what he was trying to say, that Thomas saw. But then what else is there to hope for now that you saw Thomas? Thomas, you saw, but what is there else for you to go after now that you saw, Thomas? Because you know now. But those of you that haven't seen, but keep believing, now you are going to keep to go after it. You're going to keep at it because you're going to say, I believe this, but I haven't seen it yet. And I'm not going to stop going until I get to see it. Well, when we're going to see it is the day of the rapture or the day that we die, we will see what we've been believing. So God, in his omniscient ways of, he's all-knowing, in his omniscient ways, he has called us blessed, happy. He has called us blessed because we here today are believing without seeing. And because we're believing without seeing, we're able to look forward to what's coming. John chapter 4, verse 46. I'm almost done here. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman 
whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Listen, I pray all the time, Lord, give us signs and wonders. But if God never give us signs and wonders, Juan, it don't, don't mean I'm going to stop believing him. It don't believe I'm going to stop following him. It doesn't matter if I don't get signs and wonders. It doesn't matter if Jesus never do another miracle for me to see or experience. That doesn't stop me from believing him. If Jesus never do another thing for me, I will not stop believing him. I don't need to see to believe. I'm going to believe him all the way till I die or till I meet him. Verse 49 said, the nobleman said unto him, sir, come down to my house. Come down, eerie, my child die. Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy son liveth. Son was at the house. This man met Jesus on the way. He asked Jesus to heal his son. Jesus said, go thy way, thy son liveth. Did he see his son heal? Did he see his son heal? But the Bible says, and the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him and went his way. Can you imagine us? That's all you're going to do and he's going to be healed? Your son liveth? Don't you have to say some kind of, you know, real complicated thing? Don't you have to like kind of get some mud and go down and put on his eyes? Don't you have to do something? All you're saying is the son liveth? And I'm supposed to believe that? Come on, Lord. You got to give me some other kind of sign. You, you got to let me understand something else. Because I can't believe that all you said was, thy son liveth and my son is healed. And so we have to start doing the same. It's taking Jesus at his word. You don't have to see no sign. You don't have to see no miracle. You don't have to see anything. Go into this thing and say, what does it say? And when it tells you what it says, just take him at his word. Instead of looking for some other thing. This man right here could have stood there and just kept on getting on Jesus' nerves. Ah, well, you need to come to the house with me. You know, that, that's something I probably would say. You need to come to the house with me. Just in case. Because what if he don't, what if he, what if he's not healed? I want you to be at the house so you can lay hands on him and pray. I'm just telling you how we have conducted ourselves and we don't realize that Jesus says you don't have to see it to believe it. This nobleman did not have to see his son healed for him to believe. He believed without seeing, then left with expectation to see what he believed. You see what I'm saying? That when you believe without seeing, you will pursue with expectation what you believe. When you believe without seeing, you will pursue with expectation what you say you believe. But if you don't really believe it, you won't pursue it with expectation. All right. I'm closing up here. And so the man in verse 51, and as he now going down, his servant met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, 
the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed in his old house. I love that because that man was one that kind of might have been a little inquisitive. Because that proved that he didn't go home and just say, my son okay? And just it was done and over with. He went and investigated. So, so when did my son really get here? What hour? What time? And when they told him what time, he said, man, that's the same time that Jesus said, thy son liveth. So that man was one of those people that wanted to know more. But when Jesus said, thy son liveth, he took him at his word and didn't ask any more questions. My God. Believe. Possessing the favor of God. When you are a believer, you possess the favor of God. When you believe, the kingdom of God has come to you. When you believe, your satisfaction comes from God and not from favorable circumstances. So when you don't believe, you're always looking for some kind of favor from the outside. Oh, man, if, if this could happen, that could happen, but you're not depending on Jesus. But when you believe, you now know all of what will ever happen to me, it has to be through the power of God. It won't be because of any outside source. So when you believe, you will trust God to work his favor in your life. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. You and I are blessed when we believe in Jesus Christ and his word without seeing. Some people think they would believe in Jesus if they could see a definite sign or miracle. But Jesus says we are blessed if we can see or if we can believe without seeing. We have all the proof we need in the word of God. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. We have all the proof we need in the word of God, the Bible. So before you leave here today, if you have questions about anything, the Bible will give you the answer. Before you leave today, if you have not believed because you haven't seen, will you try believing without seeing? The Bible says we must be born again of the water and of the spirit in order to be saved. That's the Bible. Do you need to see something in order to be born again of the water and the spirit? Baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost? Do you have to see some kind of evidence somewhere or are you just going to take Jesus at his word? You don't have to leave here today guessing and wondering. Just take him at his word. I'll tell you this last and final thing. To show great respect to any individual, the best thing you can do to show great respect to them is take them at their word. Whether we know each other or not, if you say something to me, I'm going to take you at your word. That's the greatest respect I can show you. This is why we used to say, my word is my bond. Because that's the way it's supposed to be. So when you speak your word, it's supposed to be your truth and somebody can depend on it. That's how it's supposed to be. I don't know if it's like that, but that's the way it's supposed to be. So the point is, if we think the greatest respect we can show mankind is to take them at their word, what's the greatest respect you can show Jesus? Take him at his word. Let's stand. Take him at his word. You don't need no signs. 
You don't need no wonders. You don't need no miracles. You don't need no demonstrations. Just take him. Uh, believe without seeing that somebody today will walk out of here believing wholeheartedly believing trusting in you trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not to your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him that he might direct your path oh Lord we trust you we trust you almighty God we trust you almighty God we bless your name, almighty God. We bless your name. We bless your name. We give you the praise and we give you the honor. We give you the praise and we give you the honor. Thank you, Jesus. Where's Tracy Ann? 
Tracy Ann, I have something for you. We thank you, Lord. Tracy Ann was baptized October 24th, 2021. She was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Tracy Ann, this is the day of your birth in baptism. And God is doing great things in you. Trust God. This is your certificate. Brother Tom, want to take a picture? All right, I'm holding it with her. Amen. That's for you, Tracy. God bless you. Since we have started our stewardship campaign, we've been really experiencing the power of God working in our lives. And like I told you, there's opposition. Join us on our Zoom prayer in the morning at 6 a.m., 5 a.m., 5 a.m., from 5 to 6, if you can join us at that time, or from 9 to 10 p.m., if you can join us at that time. We have some that pray in the morning and some that pray in the evening or night, because that's probably nighttime at 9, right? But join us if you can. We're continuing to pray. We would like to see more people get involved in praying and seeking God. And so far since we've started our stewardship campaign for our new building, God has been doing some great things. He sent us Tracy Ann and her family, and we believe that it's the will of God, and we're going to make sure we do everything to take care of them. The participation of our church has gone up since we started our stewardship campaign. More people are involved, and so I thank God for that. We had mentioned that a hundred... Well, 38 people had made a pledge that they will give toward our REACH program, which is our building project. And those 38 people, with all of their pledge, their commitment, it came up to $151,000. And we thank God for that. We thank God for that. Today was our first fruit offering. And so for all that have made the pledge, they either brought in all of what they pledged or a partial amount of what they pledged. And so today, and even last week, people started bringing money in. So far, we have brought in today, from the two services, we have brought in, well, from last week and from today, our first fruit offering, our pledges, of the $151,000, we have brought in $38,591. Give yourself a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, it's not a coincidence why God directed me to preach the message I preached today. Because we don't see the money. We see the building. We see everything else. But we're not seeing the money it costs. It costs $1.7 million. And what we can give on our own is about $151,000. I don't need no signs. I'm taking God at his word. He gave us a vision. He told us to go forward. I'm saying it out loud so when it gets done, God get all the glory. I'm not going to wait to tell you about it because then you won't understand it. I'm going to tell you now so you know what we're up against, so you know what we're dealing with, so when God opens the door and do what he does, you will say, yeah, he did say that. And so you'll give all, God all the praise. Listen, 
We give taxes. We pay taxes wherever we live. You know what those taxes are for? Just on a small scale. School. Pick up your garbage. The different things that go on in the community. You give, you pay taxes, and for some of the money, some of the things the tax money is used for, you're not participating or partaking in some of those things. I told him this morning, the church of Jesus Christ doesn't belong to nobody. It belongs to him. He's the head of it. And so when we give to this mission, it's the only eternal thing that we're given to. And guess what? We're already paying taxes for schools that after our kids get older, they don't use anymore. Don't feel uncomfortable about giving to the work of the kingdom of God. Because the bottom line is, we're already doing stuff that if you go back and look at it, you'll be like, yeah, why am I even doing that? You live in a nice community, you live by yourself, and you're paying, you know, Ethan and Sean. You don't have nobody in school, but you're paying taxes. And some of that tax goes towards the school. Now, you know, when a little Sean or a little Ethan come to that school, but it's almost like insurance. By the time, you know, we will always pay more into what we get out than what we get out. Give unto the work of the church. When you find a place where you know that they're legit, transparent, authentic, not doing anything wrong with, the, with, the, with, the, with God's um, ministry, give into it. And that's what we're doing here. If you can, tell somebody about what we're doing. And let them know that if they want to participate, what did I do with the other one? If they want to participate, they can participate. We have a package for them that we can give to them. They can participate. I thank you today for being here, and I thank God for you. Don't jump ship on us. Don't bail. See this through to the end. Be a part of the miracle that God is doing. Cheryl, you and Darrell want to be able to say, which I know you will. I can hear Cheryl now. You know, we gr we grow to... You know, 700 members, I can hear Cheryl, oh yeah, we were there when we were just in the firehouse and nothing was going on. We, we, were, we were there when we were in the firehouse and just little old couple, a few of us that we were having this Bible study in the firehouse. You were there when we voted on what should our service time be? Should it be 10 a.m. or 10.30? And so we had, we had people that said 10, we had people that said 11. And so I said, since we have 10 and 11, let's go with 10.30. That's all from the start. That's where we were. A little group of people here just doing Bible study, and we, we try to discuss how we're going to move forward, and everybody is always at input. It will always be that way. Always be that way. Yes, God has appointed me the leader of this church, but I'll be a crazy person if I don't allow everybody to have input. But not all of your input will go. we will go with, but I want you to have input, right? So you're going to always have an opportunity to express what you think. Doesn't mean we're always going to do what you think because God is directing this ultimately. But we're going someplace, and we're gonna, we already have a whole lot of testimonies. As you've seen our video, we're showing how, you know, counseling go on in the kitchen. Beef patty gets sold in the kitchen. You know, we have ministry meetings in the kitchen. I mean, this is all we have. And I thank God for it. Because the day will come when God will give us a whole lot more, and I just want to be ready for it. I want you to be ready for it. God is doing some great things in this hour. Let's thank him today for his goodness. Let's thank him today. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we bless your name. For those of you that have any interest in attending uh, my father-in-law's funeral, um, viewing will be this Friday um, in 
York, New Jersey. We have to use a church that have um, enough seating. I think this church can seat a thousand. So we had to get a church that can seat enough. So it's going to be at this Baptist church in North New Jersey. Um, Friday evening will be the viewing from 6 to 9, and then Saturday morning from 10 a.m. We will at 10 a.m. we'll start the, uh, the funeral service. And then the burial will be at Rolldale Cemetery. It will be, um, that's in Montclair. And of course, when my, um, when my mother-in-law passed, um, my father-in-law had got two plots. So he's going to be with his wife right there. So that's what we got. I just wanted to give you an opportunity that if you want to know, you needed the information. You want to know. There we go. Okay, we did set the mass text. Okay, cool. All right, good. Anything else I'm forgetting? We good? All right. I love you, church. Thank you for being here today. Always good to see all your faces. Have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless you. You didn't have to give me that thing.